Good morning. It's good to be together and worship, and so it's good to also be reminded that God's the one who calls us. The God who's made us is the one that's called us to come into his presence and to remember the redeeming love of God in Christ. So welcome to all of you gathering person. Welcome online. Uh, we're thankful that we can join together in this, this way. And so as we begin our time, I just want to take a couple minutes to share announcements. Um, one, a reminder that next uh, Sunday is Palm Sunday. And for Palm Sunday and for Easter, we'll have two services, uh, in-person services, one at 8.30 and one at 9.30. And the 9.30 service will be the one that's online and available to either live stream or join by Zoom. So 8.30 and 9.30 next Sunday. Also, just to mention that today, there is a youth class and also children's worship. Uh, the youth class is going on right now, so any students that want to go ahead and join, they can go to the classrooms to my left. And then after the prayer of invocation, uh, students for children's worship will be dismissed to go downstairs to the basement uh, with Melinda. Okay, one last thing to mention is that during the season of Lent on Wednesdays, we've been having a prayer time at noon on Zoom and also a class at 8 o'clock, both on, on Zoom as well. So even if you haven't participated so far, I still invite you to consider coming to the prayer time at noon or the class at 8 o'clock. And the information's in the, the weekly email. If you have questions, let me know about that. Well, God has called us to come and to gather and worship. Let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 23. And um, just sorry, <laughs> sorry, I thought maybe something was going wrong online. <laughs> anyway, our call to worship was from Psalm 23. And we're not singing yet here in person, but if you're at home, you're welcome to sing along. But here we will have a responsive reading part, so I invite everyone to stand. Shall not want, I shall not. 
Father, we thank you for your steadfast and undeserved love for us. Thank you for the grace that we have received through Jesus Christ alone. And Lord, we acknowledge that we come this morning in different ways. Many of us, if not most of us, are feeling tired, tired of distancing, tired of being cautious and careful. And Lord, give us strength to finish this race and meet us in whatever place we find ourselves this morning. Lord, with uh, heavy hearts, we mourn, we lament the loss of eight people, eight image bearers who were shot and killed in Atlanta this week. Father, we pray that you would surround the families with your presence and, and comfort them in their time of grief, of anger, of numbness and fear. Lord, we know that these events have shown a light on the fear that many in the Asian American community experience of being attacked, of being profiled and scapegoated. In your mercy, Lord, protect them, we pray. Lord, we confess that many of us in this room don't share the same fears or know what it's like to experience the hatred of someone else because of our ethnicity or the color of our skin. And Father, raise our awareness. May we love our neighbors, making space and standing with them. Give us courage to affirm human life and flourishing even when it challenges our own comfort. Give us courage to speak and act and love so that there can be justice, that the good news of your kingdom can be seen as a light in the darkness of our world. Lord, in your family, we know that we aren't strangers to you, foreigners to you. No, you call us your sons and daughters, not for the things that we have done, but only because of your grace and love to us in Christ. So Lord, make us aware of your presence now. In the name of Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, having um, we now, the children are now dismissed. I'm getting used to this again. Children are now dismissed for children's worship. Melinda is right in the back to greet them, so... Well, like we usually do, we have a time where we can come and, and come with honesty and openness to come to acknowledge our need and our sin with God. And we do this knowing that God's mercy is vast and abundant and lavish. So we'll do this together as a church and then have a time of quiet personal confession. Almighty God, you have searched us and know us. You know when we sit down and when we rise, you are acquainted with all our ways. Loving Father, we confess to you that there is nothing about us that you do not already know. Give us courage to come to you with all our doubts, all our fears, and all our sin. Forgive us through Jesus Christ, our faithful Lord. Amen.
our sin to God. Father, we confess our sin, knowing that Jesus, who was rich in glory, became poor for our sake, so that in him alone we might become rich in mercy and grace. We give thanks in his name. Amen. Well, having confessed our sin, let's stand together and and read together uh, from Zephaniah 3, the words of assurance. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. You may be seated. is from uh, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The New Testament reading is Hebrews 5, 5 through 10. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. 
as he says also in another place, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became a source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being de designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. thankful for a chance to, to be here and to look at God's word. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, I mean the, the welcome, <laughs> the uh, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. Uh, so next Sunday we'll look at the passages of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and on Easter his resurrection. But today we're going to continue what we have been doing during Lent, which is look at gospel passages that talk about uh, Jesus' ministry, the arrival of the kingdom of God. And so this morning we're going to look at John 12 verse 20 through 33. So let me read that to you. Uh, you can just listen or you can follow along if you have an order uh, with you. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Well, this is God's word given for our good. Well, in our time, as we look at this passage, I want to first look at this short parable that Jesus gives us this image, and then look at how he applies it to himself and then applies it to us. So we'll look at this first short parable and see how Jesus applies it to himself and to us. I'm sure that you, well, hopefully you had a chance to enjoy the, the sun yesterday. If you don't know, yesterday was the first day of spring and it was a beautiful day. Maybe even some of you had a chance to think about you know, planting and growing, the possibility of green <laughs> arriving more and more 
around us or even in your yard or garden. And so it seems fitting in this context, in this timing, that Jesus tells a story, gives a parable about a seed. He invites us to imagine a little seed. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You see, you and I are invited to, to picture a seed, you know, small seed in the palm of our hand, and to ask, Jesus is asking, what, what does it look like to protect, to value, to even love the seed? Will we keep it? Will I hold on to it? Will I put it in my pocket? Or maybe find some kind of envelope for safekeeping? Or will I plant this seed, this grain, bury it and see it? No more. See, Jesus is inviting us to, to picture the seed, but also to, to see two ways of handling it that bring two different results. And the interesting thing is that one way appears to be valuing the seed, to love the seed. I'm going to hold on to it. I love the seed, so I'm going to protect it. But Jesus says that way actually leads to aloneness. But if we treat the seed in a different way, a way that maybe even appears tragic, even like we are hating the seed, if we lose it, if we release it, if we put it in the ground, it will actually lead to life and fruitfulness. It will not be alone, but it will bring forth many seeds. Truly, truly, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus takes that saying, that parable, and applies it to himself, saying the hour has come for the Son of Man, Jesus' title for himself, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, for him to be lifted up from the earth. And we know that Jesus, having arrived in Jerusalem, that he's speaking about his death, and specifically his death on a cross. And he's inviting us to see his death, that he is like the seed being planted in the earth that will bring forth a plentiful harvest. And as part of that, we see the story of these Greeks who want to see Jesus. They've heard about him. They've made the trip to Jerusalem. And say so they find Philip and say, hey, can we meet him? Can we see him? And after some different negotiating, they arrive. We want to see Jesus. Can you help us? And what's Jesus' response? If you want to see me, then you must see me as the seed that will go into the ground. If you want to see me, if you want to know who I am, then you must know me in light of the cross. And in this brief moment, we're invited as well, whether it's the Greeks, whether it's the Jews, whether those near or far, the only way in which we can truly see Jesus is we see him in light of his death on the cross as the seed that was put in the ground to bring forth a harvest like you and me. But I want to, I want to add something that's, that's important that I want us to, to notice. That when Jesus describes himself as the seed going in the ground, it's not just an action unto himself, not just something that he's doing personally for himself. It's important that we see that this saying is a relational saying. 
that Jesus' actions are not singular, but his actions are actions of love in relationship to his Father and in his relationship to you and to me, his people. He says, my soul is troubled. And shall I say at this moment to God, my Father, take this away. Take away my falling into the ground, my rejection, my suffering, and my death. He says, no, it's for this very purpose that I have come. The seed of Jesus' life is not alone, but it's falling to the ground is this expression that he is living in union with his heavenly Father, and he's living in union with his people, you and me, that we are the harvest. We need to see this as a relational action. It looks like a tragedy, never to see the seed again. But it will be a triumph that God in his sacrificial love will enter the stronghold of death and shame to bring forth a harvest of freedom and life for Jew and Greek, for all who look upon the cross and Christ. So Jesus applies it to himself that he is this seed. But he also applies it to you and to me, to us. Do you see what he says? He goes on, whoever loses, sorry, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. I've been reading a novel called H is for Hawk. I saw it at the library. It was one of those ones that had the cover facing outward. It has this illustration of a hawk on the front, and it drew me in. It's a story about the author experiencing training a hawk, being a falconer, uh, as she deals with the loss of her father. And in one scene I want to read to you, she, she says, Hawks see in a different way than we do as humans. I have three different receptor sensitivities in my eyes, but hawks, like other birds, have four. They can see colors that I cannot right into the ultraviolet spectrum. They can see polarized light. They can watch thermal heat and warmth rise and roll in the air. I don't know if you know that already, or maybe you do, but I find that fascinating. This idea that the way that I see is not the way that other beings, other animals would see. The idea that there be other things that they would notice or understand. And I mention that because I think what Jesus is doing here is inviting you and I into a new way of seeing, a new vision for life, a way that is often obscured to our hearts and into this culture. He's saying that there is a path of life that involves both rejecting and embracing. See, we need to be careful when we hear Jesus' words to hate your life I think if we read the Gospels, we recognize that Jesus didn't despise his life. He didn't devalue his life. But rather, what he's inviting us to see is that we have to use this language, the grasp, the need for us to reject certain things. The new vision means that we have to die or reject the supremacy of the self. The supremacy of my own preservation or my own advantage, my own advancement. And when he invites us to hate, he's saying hate this way of life that is holding and grasping and protecting. It's similar to what we hear in 1 John 2. 
we read, love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. You see, Jesus in this new vision is inviting us first to reject the path that will not lead us where we want to go. Theologian Frederick Buechner writes, you can survive on your own, you can go strong on your own, you can prevail on your own, but you cannot become human on your own. You cannot become human on your own. To bear the image of God must involve relationship. And I remind you again, Jesus' action, his falling to the earth and dying is an act of love and a relationship to his heavenly father and to you and to me. And our dying to self, our rejecting of what the world offers, our letting the seed of our life fall into the ground is an act of love for our God and for one another. And it helps, at least for me, to, to come back again to that, the opening parable that Jesus gives. The two ways that it marks that I'll hold, I'll protect the seed versus letting it go. It seems good to hold on to a grudge. It seems good to hold on to our resources, our money, our time, our homes. It seems good maybe eight times even to hold on to fear or to our schedules or to our privilege or comfort. But Jesus says that why that seems good, it will lead to aloneness. When the seed falls to the ground and dies, we're not just rejecting, but we are turning and living in union with others. You see, this parable invites you and, and me to ask about what, how it is in our relationships. How am I living as a spouse, as a parent or a child? How am I relating to those at work or in my building, my school or my class? How am I treated, my roommate, my friends, my family? You see, letting the seed fall into the earth can look like patience, can look like sacrifice, can look like forgiveness, either asking for it or granting it, can look like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 of gentleness, and kindness, self-control. And Jesus is inviting us to ask, Am I walking a path of holding or am I opening myself into union with God in relationship to others? This is a vision of life that Jesus gives forth and one that's rooted in him and him alone. And so as we see this image displayed in Christ, it's an invitation for us to embrace it. But part of that is you and I know this. Part of that is coming back again and again remember that Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, that he was buried in the ground for you and for me. For when we fall short, when we hold, when we are unwise about how we cling to our life, that he is there with his forgiveness and freedom and acceptance, that we can learn again from his union with his Father, his union with us, to live in his ways. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us by your spirit. 
and that you'd strengthen us by your spirit as well, that we would live not unto ourselves, but unto you, God, and as your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
we're going to take time to pray together. And uh, what are we going to do? We're going to pray um, for our congregation in one part, and then pray for our, our city and country in the second part. I'll lead us in a prayer in the, that first section, and then I'll have some time of quiet. You can offer your own prayers. And I'll conclude that time of quiet by saying, Lord, in your mercy, and we invite you to respond. Uh, hear our prayers. Hear our prayers. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you as your people. We give you thanks that our place in your family is not in what we've done or promised to do, but in the work of Christ for us. We thank you for the reminder that he is the seed that falls to the ground that brings new life. And so even today, Lord, as we feel challenged or feel apathy or feel convicted, Lord, let us turn to you, the one who is full of grace and truth. Lord, we also come and we pray, Lord, for those in our congregation who are caring for loved ones who are sick. Lord, we, we pray for Doug Zylstra's mother, Sandra, and we pray, Lord, for her cancer treatments, and we pray for your spirit to strengthen her. We pray for Adriana Lopez's mother, and we pray, Lord, that a prayer of thanks for the successful surgery, and we pray for her treatments, that there'd be wisdom for the doctors to know uh, next steps. And we pray for Adriana and her, her family as they care for her mother. Lord, we pray for Susan Dawson's Aunt Ev, and we pray, Lord, that you would care for her. We thank you that Susan and other family have been able to see her. We pray for Ev that your spirit would strengthen her and encourage her. Lord, we continue to grieve those that we've lost in our life whether by accidents or illness, Lord, we pray that you would continue to comfort and help us to mourn with hope. And Lord, as a church, we pray, Lord, a prayer of thanks for the generosity and ways that you've provided for our needs and for our church budget. We give you thanks, and we pray that you continue to do so, that you would uh, allow us to serve one another and our neighbors in the name of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Lord, we recognize that we are part of a society, we're part of a city and a part of a country. And so, Lord, we come and we echo the prayers that Brian led in the prayer of invocation. We pray a prayer of lament over the reminders of racial violence that we've seen this last week. Lord, we ask that you would meet us in this lament we recognize by your word that you teach us that we are fallen people. That we are quick not to, f to love our neighbors and in fact to, to hate those who are different. And so Lord, we pray not only that we would lament but that we would look at our own hearts and ask that you would do the work by your spirit to change us, to teach us to love and to serve. We pray for the church that we would be a place, a witness that would uphold the dignity and the God-made image bearers for all people. That also that we would be a witness of reconciliation, a community in which all are in Christ. That we would learn to live as brothers and sisters. Lord, we pray also 
for those who are facing the uncertainties of job loss or shortness of money. Lord, we've been facing COVID and the pandemic for so long, Lord, that we, we remember that there's still so much uncertainties and questions that people face. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet all those who feel fear or facing uncertainties or decisions about work or about next steps, all who are feeling alone or forgotten. Lord, again, I pray that we as your people would be those who represent you, caring for one another and caring for our neighbors. And Lord, as we approach Easter and the day of resurrection, we do pray, Lord, for a spiritual renewal. That for all of us, including our neighbors, that there would be a reminder by your spirit that life is not found in ourselves by holding on to things, but that life is found in Christ and Christ alone. We pray for that truth to liberate all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. Well, I invite you to stand with me, that all of us can join together in this responsive reading as we confess our faith together. As followers of Jesus Christ, living in this world, which some seek to control, but which others view with despair, we declare with joy and trust, our world belongs to God. From the beginning, through all the crises of our times, until his kingdom fully comes, God keeps covenant forever. Our world belongs to God. Let the earth be glad. Now receive God's blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole body and spirit and soul be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. You may go in peace.